Is there a psychiatrist in the house? There is often attention to a shortage of doctors, particularly primary care, but the important specialty of psychiatry may be also in crisis. You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Daniel Carlat. Dr. Carlat is Associate Clinical Professor of Psychiatry at Tufts University School of Medicine in Boston and Editor-in-Chief of the Carlat Psychiatry Report, a monthly newsletter on psychopharmacology. Dr. Carlat founded Clearview Publishing in 2002 and its flagship publication, the Carlat Psychiatry Report. His blog, the Carlat Psychiatry Blog, is one of the nation's most widely read health blogs. Himself, he has also been published in the New York Times and has published an array of books and medical journal articles. Dr. Carlat is an active member of the American Psychiatric Association. He received his undergraduate education at University of California, Berkeley, and received his medical degree at the University of California, San Francisco, and went on to complete a residency in psychiatry at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston from 1992 to 1995. We're so happy to have him join us from his offices in Boston. Dr. Daniel Carlat, welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Well, it's a pleasure to be here to discuss psychiatry. Well, it is. And you know, it's interesting because in the last year, I, like so many other healthcare journalists, have been so preoccupied with the healthcare reform bill, and you keep hearing from the AMA, other groups, about what's needed to boost primary care and going into primary care, and the fact that now we're going to have all these uninsured getting insurance, there might not be enough primary care doctors. But this is news to me when we talk about that actually in psychiatry, this is a specialty that is facing some dire circumstances. If you could tell us a little bit about that. One of the uh, issues, as you said, with healthcare reform, there's going to be a lot more patients that are going to be seeking care. Even before healthcare reform, we've had a critical shortage of psychiatrists and other prescribers of psychiatric drugs, so that it's no big surprise to you know, a primary care doctor that if they want to send their patient to see a psychiatrist, it's often a Herculean task to get them in you know, within a week or two. Usually they have to wait, depending on where they are living, four weeks or eight weeks or three months or even longer. And if it's a child who's looking for a child psychiatrist, it's much worse. It can be many, many months before a spot opens up. So that's one of the main crises that I see. It's just a a plain shortage of the right kind of doctors for people with mental health problems. Well, and is this a problem of not enough people wanting to go into the field? Does it not pay enough? And also, is it a new phenomenon or has it been something that's building? There are a lot of different sort of answers to that. I'd say that it is not a new phenomenon. It is something that is building. I think the sense of crisis is somewhat new because in 2009, there were a series of articles published in the Journal Psychiatric Services. These were articles that were actually commissioned by the U.S. government, Health Resource and Service Administration, and they wanted to commission researchers just to figure out county by county how much of a shortage of mental health care is there so that we can, as a government, we can make plans to, you know, train more practitioners or change policy in various ways. And uh, what that study found, in short, is that there's a shortage of about 30,000 to 40,000 psychiatrists in the United States. And to put that in perspective, there are somewhere in the range of 30, 35,000 psychiatrists who are in full-time practice right now. So basically, 
we really only have half the number of psychiatrists that we need. And, you know, these were not researchers that were using vastly inflated figures for the prevalence of mental illness. They weren't saying, you know, 30% or 40% of people have mental illness. They were being very conservative on this. Well, with healthcare reform, does that do anything to help the psychiatrist shortage? I mean, is there reimbursement incentives, funding toward graduate medical education? Is that going to help at all? Not really. The only way in which healthcare reform is helping the shortage of doctors is that it is providing some money for increased training of primary care doctors so that there will be about five or 600 more primary care doctors produced as a result of some of this increased funding residencies. But that really doesn't help the shortage of care for the mentally ill because primary care doctors, while they're certainly, you know, trained to deal with basic mental illness, they are just too busy to be able to spend the time required to do, you know, a proper longish sort of 30-minute or more session to uh, diagnose everything that's there and to really think carefully about what medications or what therapy patients need. There are certain legislative initiatives going on in the states, and I believe Oregon is one, where they're trying to give the power to prescribe to psychologists. And I wanted to get your thoughts there. And also, there might be some folks out there, health insurance companies and others, that say, hey, wait a minute. You know, hey, if we have a lot more primary care doctors, they can prescribe the antidepressants. What are your thoughts on that? Because you probably hear stuff like that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And the issue of psychologists prescribing, you know, while it certainly raises the hackles of psychiatrists because of the turf issues involved, it's really not such a huge surprise that this is an initiative. I mean, we've had physician extenders building in popularity throughout the last, oh, four decades or so. You know, really the 1960s was the age when nurse practitioners came on the scene because of a severe shortage of doctors, of primary care doctors. And now nurse practitioners are, you know, not a controversial part of medical care. Most patients see a nurse practitioner when they see their doctor and they're fine. Similarly, you know, we have podiatrists who have taken over some of the responsibility of orthopedists, and we have optometrists that have taken over some of the responsibilities of ophthalmologists. So, you know, it's just sort of a natural evolution of the profession. So in this case, we have a critical shortage of prescribing psychiatrists. We have 80,000 to 100,000 psychologists out there, not all of whom would want to prescribe, but many of whom would. And they're very qualified to do everything that you need to do to make a psychiatric diagnosis, to decide on treatment. All they need is a couple of years of a master's program in psychopharmacology, which allows them to use, you know, basic just the psychotropic agents from a limited formulary. But they've already been doing it in two states and throughout the military for 10, 15 years. Thousands of prescriptions have been written by psychologists. Most people don't know this. And there have been no complaints, no signal at all that any patient has been harmed thus far. I think that the trend is definitely going to be, this is a state-by-state thing, but you know, states have to vote on it. And the trend will be over the next 10 years that more and more states will give psychologists prescriptive privileges. And in a sense, what this will mean is that psychologists, medical psychologists, which is what they're coming to be called, 
I think will become the kind of primary care practitioners of the mental health world so that when you have a psychiatric problem, you want to see someone, first you'll see a medical psychologist who can provide both the therapy and basic psychotropic medications. And then if you need more care or if you have a complicated medical psychiatric illness that that medical psychologist can't deal with, then they'll, you know, they'll refer to a psychiatrist or to a neuropsychiatrist or a neurologist or that type of thing. And is that one of the answers to the psychiatrist shortage? Or could you talk a little bit about some of the things that you see that could remedy the situation? I mean, I think that's going to be one of the answers. That won't be a real short-term answer because that's going to require, you know, legislation in different states. Other answers are that there will be a boosting in the number of psychiatric nurse practitioners, and that's more of a short-term solution because these practitioners, nurses that receive master's degrees, specialize in psychiatry, in most states do already allow them to practice independently under some kind of supervision by a psychiatrist. And so that can be ramped up relatively quickly, as can physician assistants who have a psychiatric specialty. They are also allowed to practice in most states. They can see these patients and that will be ramped up. But, you know, I don't really see that we're going to be seeing a lot more psychiatrists being generated through our residency programs because that just takes a lot of money. Every residency slot has to be funded somehow. Usually that's funded by Medicare and slot residency slots, the going rate is about $100,000 per slot. I doubt we're going to be able to shake loose very much money for more psychiatric residents. Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Daniel Carlat. He's Associate Clinical Professor of Psychiatry at Tufts University School of Medicine, and he is the author of the book called Unhinged, and that can be found at the website unhingedbook.com, and he's written a lot about psychiatry, and the psychiatrist shortage is our topic today. And we were getting at some of the possible solutions, not really a lot in healthcare reform for psychiatrists. Let's just say that this doesn't slow. What are some of the problems and what can physicians do? What can consumers do to turn the tide here or ebb the flow of psychiatrists? And perhaps what if it doesn't turn around? I hope it's going to turn around. I mean, the latest figures are that three-quarters of all U.S. counties have a severe shortage of psychiatrists or psychiatric prescribers. So, you know, the crisis is there, and that's 2009 figures. So what can the typical primary care physician do? I mean, part of it is, you know, receiving specialized training and consultation from psychiatrists who do work in primary care offices or who have special arrangements where they can give phone consultation to primary care doctors, or as is the case in Massachusetts, where there's a, an initiative where pediatricians who have devil of the time finding a child psychiatrist to see their patients, there's a program where they can send a patient for a one-time consultation to a child psychiatrist who will see the patient very quickly, you know, within a couple of weeks, they'll do that because they know they're only going to see the patient one time, you know, write up a, a report, give some recommendations for meds, and then send the patient back to the pediatrician. So, so it's a close monitoring, you, the system there, they've developed a protocol, and they're getting specialized care, and a specialist is sort of like the quarterback for that patient working with primary care? Yeah, it's a way for 
a specialist to provide consultation very quickly so that you don't have to be in a situation where you're waiting months and months and months for a patient to actually, quote, become the patient of that specialist. So they continue to actually be treated for their psych problem by the primary care doctor with consultation. And would you advise that, I mean, we have a lot of physician listeners, hospital folks, that they develop a system like that? I mean, you would think that that would be in this era of coming bundling payments that healthcare is going to bring. I mean, it seems like the centers of excellence are going to have to have these things in place. Absolutely. They should develop more of that. And there are other creative solutions using technology so that telemedicine, which uses video conferencing, is being developed. And particularly for the rural areas, obviously the shortage of psychiatrists and all physicians is worse in the more rural areas, so that you can have a psychiatrist, other specialists being video conferenced in. And with Skype now, which is free, it's becoming much more available. And so anybody with a laptop computer with a you know, webcam built in, and all of them have that now, can download Skype for free and then use that to access you know, a psychiatrist who might be in an academic center. Now, since I write about the economics of healthcare, I'll throw this point out. That way you won't get in trouble by your colleagues. <laughs> what about reimbursement? Let's just say I'm a specialist at the University of Chicago or the Mayo Clinic, Mass General. I hear this. I think, that's a great idea, doctor. Is there a way I can get paid? I mean, can I set a system up and work with a system and set up a network and get paid? Are insurers open to that? Actually, insurers are open to it, but not all insurers. Imagine that. Yeah, now imagine that, that some insurers wouldn't want to pay the bill. Um, but uh, I know that Medicare does pay for some telemedicine, you know, kind of depending on the situation. I recently called in Massachusetts a couple of the main insurers here and asked them if they would reimburse for telemedicine, and they said, no, we would not. So it really is a state-by-state state thing, but I do believe most national insurers now will do some reimbursement on a case-by-case basis. But, you know, insurance companies, I don't believe that their interest is simply saying no, as many people portray them. But I think that they get nervous whenever there's a new technology that allows more visits to occur more easily. And they get nervous that that's going to cause them to pay out money that really should not be paid out. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Dr. Daniel Carlad, who's been our guest. He is Associate Clinical Professor of Psychiatry at Tufts University School of Medicine, and we've been talking about the psychiatrist shortage and what's being done about it. He's given us some great ideas. If you're interested in hearing more about what Dr. Carlad has to say online or in print, he has a book out called Unhinged, and you can find out more about that at unhingedbook.com. And he is also the publisher of the Carlat Psychiatry Report. And we'd like to thank him for being with us today. And you've been listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD online, on demand, and on the air. Please visit us at reachmd.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening. 